Our scripture reading this morning comes from Romans chapter 10. Uh, So please open up your, your Bibles to Romans chapter 10, starting at verse 13. It will also be on the screen behind. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And I believe the grades five to sevens ministry is meeting now, correct? Correct. Please head on out, meet your leaders in the foyer or library. Thank you, Phil. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be here this morning with you all. Well, we're going to tuck into that passage a little bit in uh, in Romans ten. So, if you've got that open, that would be a great thing to stay in. Well, for very obvious reasons, uh, I don't remember World War Two. Maybe some of you do, maybe only the very oldest of us do. Um, The more I read or watch uh, maybe the occasional movie on it, though, uh, the more it sinks in just how difficult that time was, particularly for uh, Britain and for England. Uh, Maybe you've seen the recent film about um, the war in England called The Darkest Day, uh, about their struggle in the war. And in that film, you see just how... Nazi Germany just seemed to swallow country after country after country whole, one after the other. And people honestly just didn't understand what was happening. It all happened so quickly. Why is Hitler doing this? Can he be reasoned with? Where will it all end? War just seemed to affect every part of life. There weren't as many people to farm, so food was scarce. People queued for it. Food and clothing heavily rationed. Uh, I personally know people who ate tulip bulbs to fend off starvation. What would it be like to live with the constant fear of bombs or rockets falling? Every noise in the night could wake you with your heart pounding. One of the guys from the morning service said his father used to wake up to the sound of shrapnel falling on his roof, running down the roof. Every family on every street had lost someone. Uh, but lost is one of those words, isn't it? Uh, they weren't lost, they'd been killed. Torn out of people's lives. Uh, I'm told that at the start of the Blitz, Uh, London was attacked 57 nights in a row. 7,736 children in England killed. 7,622 children seriously wounded. What's the psychological impact of that? A million children were evacuated from towns and cities, separated from their parents and families, often for years... 38 million gas masks were issued. What's it like 
to come home from work and see gas masks on the dinner table so that they're ready to grab. I struggled to think about how hard life was. But after all of that, after living through all of that, what would it have been like to hear the news of the end of the war? I don't know if you've seen any of these pictures before. Uh, some of them are really famous. These are pictures from actually the United States when the, the, air, the war really uh, finally did end. And they're photos of celebration, aren't they? Of a whole nation turning out and celebrating together. Look at these people. Arms in the air, smiles on faces, happy, joyful. This photo is very famous. I don't know if I'm doing something wrong there. This photo is very famous. People stealing kisses from strangers as they go down the street. Everybody's dancing and singing and joyful. Smiles on their faces for every single person except this guy. <laughs> now, I, it still makes me laugh. <laughs> I don't know what happened to him. Uh, I tried to figure it out. I looked at his foot. Maybe someone stepped on his foot just recently and he's really upset. Or maybe these other two. Maybe, maybe he stole his woman. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> he seems upset at something. But everybody else is happy and celebrating. Why? because the war is over. Great news has arrived and been shared by a whole community. Good news has just broken. Uh, we're going to do another topical message today. Uh, it's the last in this series for the year. Uh, we've looked at gather, gathering together to enjoy a delicious spiritual meal with each other. Last week we looked at giving, how we give of ourselves as we serve God and each other in the church. And today we're going to look at go. And honestly, as we think about the call to go out into our communities with the gospel, which means good news, I don't want us to feel a sense of guilt or failure. Instead, I want us to understand, to, to really feel right deep in here that we carry good news, amazing news, actually infectious news. Now, Sam just read that chain in Romans, that chain of thinking, starting with the, the, the knowledge that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then it says, well, they can't call if they haven't believed, and they can't believe if they haven't heard, and they can't hear without someone speaking. And how can anyone speak or, or preach unless they are sent? And at that point, um, we can all feel bad because we know we're sent. But I think we miss something if we don't take in the next verse. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. When a messenger comes with good news, even the sweaty, travel-stained, stinky feet of the messenger are somehow beautiful. Not because the person is, but because the message 
is. Sometimes I wonder if we miss the goodness of the news because we don't actually know what the gospel, what the good news is. I think we often get it a little bit wrong because the gospel is not a lot of things. Got a little list here. The gospel is not the cross. The gospel is not the gift of eternal life or the forgiveness of sins or becoming children of God or even relationship with God. And the gospel is definitely not good deeds, nice people, strong morals. The gospel is the good king's kingdom. The good king's kingdom. That's going to be our first point. The gospel is the good king's kingdom. Now, you might not be convinced of this, and I wondered if a few of you wouldn't. So I'm going to go through a few passages uh, together right now, just quickly. Matthew 24, um, said, Jesus says, And this gospel, this good news of the kingdom, will be proclaimed throughout the whole world. The gospel of the kingdom. Uh, Luke 4 But he, Jesus, said to them, I must preach the good news of what? Of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. Luke 8. Soon afterwards, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. Last one, Mark 1. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near in Jesus. Repent and believe the good news. The good news that we carry is the good kingdom. And it's not good without the good king who rules it. Jesus came proclaiming a desperately needed society. It's a kingdom unlike any other you've ever seen. Because every human institution has the big problem of having humans in it and humans leading it. I don't know if you noticed the coronation. Um, How long ago was that? Maybe a year ago. Um, Even when you dress up a man in all the pomp and ceremony of a coronation, it doesn't change the fact that he's one of us And all of us, the whole world, is polluted in a multitude of ways. I'm not sure if you've noticed. Every single one of our prime ministers has failed us. Now, now you might like one team more than the other. You might uh, like one particular prime minister more than the others. And you might be a little bit blind to their personal failings. But the reality is they've all failed because they're all just like us. And, and Jesus comes and he says, good news, I'm here. Good news, I'm God's chosen one. I'm his anointed. I'm King David's greatest son. I'm the Christ, God's chosen king. He says, I'm setting up a kingdom that isn't going to be polluted because I'm not polluted. 
and I'm going to purify the people in the kingdom. Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, some of those things that I said the gospel is not are still realities. We are denied access to the kingdom because of our pollution, the stuff that's in our hearts and in our lives, our sin and rebellion against God. And, and the only way back into the kingdom is through the cross and the atonement that Jesus wrought on it. And that does bring the gift of eternity through the resurrection. But at the heart of it all, the essence of the good news is the king and his kingdom. Now, I'm not sure how you imagine this kingdom, uh, but I, when I tend to think about it, I start with the king. Because the king makes the kingdom, doesn't he? And I think about his nature. I remember he's a king of love. And he loves people enough to demand justice at their suffering. It's a good thing for a king. And he's strong enough to carry out that justice. And he's God. <laughs> so, so he knows what's happened and he can't be deceived by slick words and slick people. And this was a king who's, who's lived with us. He knows our pain and our suffering. He knows it. And he has compassion on us. And he's willing to do what needs to be done, even to the point of giving up his life for his people. Uh, this kingdom, it's full of people. People like you, people like me, but people unlike us too. People of all tribes and nations and tongues. And, and on this earth, uh, those people are, are legally clean because of their king. They're still all morally broken, but they're seeking and they're following and they're looking towards their king, slowly being reshaped and remolded by him and then being sent back out into this polluted world, carrying. I'm not sure if you imagine yourself carrying something. I'm imagining a backpack myself. Carrying the good news with us of that kingdom that will one day be here completely and fully where we won't just be legally clean, but our every desire and action too. That's good news because of our good king. It's our first point. The gospel is God's good king and God's good kingdom. The second point is that good news is infectious. Good news is infectious. The gospel should be infectious. Uh, there are a lot of reasons in Scripture for sharing the good news. Um, we could list them off. A, a love for others is essential, isn't it? We want to love people enough to share the good news. There's an urgency that's in, in, in God's Word. It says Jesus could be coming back at any time. This is urgent. There are lost people out there. There's a sense that we're stewards of the gospel and we have a responsibility and in some places, we have a simple command, go. But the most natural, 
the one that we see through all scripture is being motivated by joy. Uh, In Philippians, uh, Paul, after discussing good and bad reasons for sharing the gospel, kind of says, well, he he doesn't kind of say, he says, what does it matter? He said, the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, he rejoices. He's rejoicing in the good news going out. Our joy and our delight in the good news of the kingdom will naturally cause us to be infectious. It's our joy to preach and speak the good news. But it's also joyful for people who see it, yeah? I mean, that's what Romans 10 was saying. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. For those who receive it, those beautiful, those ugly feet are beautiful. The messenger is beautiful. Now, I want to say, um, just for a second, I want to speak to those of you who might not be believers. Firstly, welcome. It's, it's really good to have you with us. It's good to be able to share with you the truly good news of the good king. But I want to say to you that we believe this is true and we believe it is fundamentally good for all people. And so, honestly, what you're seeing here is strategic thinking in how we share it. We encourage each other to do that, to share this good news with you if you're not a believer. Because if it really is true, and if it really is good, then wouldn't we be selfish and heartless to keep it a secret? But for you who are believers, I think we also have to be honest with each other and say that sometimes good news can be good news, but still feel like old news. The ending of World War II will always objectively be good news. Yeah, I don't think anyone can argue with that. But 80 years on, we're not as excited about it as they were back then. We don't still meet in the streets with ticker tape parades, kissing strangers. Probably that's good. (laughs) Probably. If I asked all the believers in this room to rate how good the good news of Jesus is, I'm sure you would all intellectually say 10 out of 10. But if I asked you at some random time during the week how good the gospel feels at that moment, I suspect that we'd get answers from all over the spectrum. Uh, Quite a few years ago, I injured myself in a decent car accident. Uh, My fault. Um, I crashed into someone. But I was off work as a result for a couple of months, and I still had a lot of healing to go. Uh, And a couple of months in, work cover kind of said to me, because it was a work accident, uh, they've been looking after us so far, paying us money. They kind of said, we're we're sick of paying you money. Um, It's a lot. Um, Didn't feel like a lot all the time. But they said, it's a lot. Uh, We want to stop because we'd rather keep it than give it to you. And and we went, oh, okay, Um, that's that's not good. Um, I had two very young children at a time, at the time. Uh, I was off work. Jude was looking after the kids. I was pretty injured. Uh, I couldn't do work. 
Uh, and we kind of went, how are we going to look after this family? How am I going to provide? How are we going to keep food on the table? Uh, and so I went on an assessment process, got on the train up to the big city, went to a specialist in a tiny little room at the top of a building right in the middle of the city, and honestly, on the train ride there um, and on the trip up, I had to take the elevator and not the stairs, on the trip up there, I'm sitting there going, what, what's going to happen? What news am I going to get? What's he going to say? Who's he going to meet? Am I going to meet someone grumpy and sour? Is he going to be some shill for work cover and just do whatever work cover says? I didn't, I didn't know. And the moment when he said, your injury is real, you need time to recovery, to recover, and I'm going to recommend that you get that time. Oh, man, my heart. <laughs> what a relief. What joy. What what beauty there was in that news. And I went straight downstairs. There was a cafe underneath and I ordered the big breakfast. That was my way of celebrating. And, and while I was waiting for the big breakfast, I rang the woman that I loved. Did it again. <laughs> still, still loved. Still loved. <laughs> and I shared the good news. It was with a lump in my throat and joy in my heart. Because it's amazing. Sometimes we need to look back at those moments and remember. Sometimes we need to do the same with the kingdom. Which person celebrating in that street at the end of World War II failed to talk about it every single night at dinner that week with their family? That week? That month? That year? As, as new freedoms and new joys and new realities sunk in? I wonder if you're overflowing with the gospel through the week. Now, don't get me wrong, I, I, I don't want us to overflow in the way that we become sort of the Bible bashers people. We cram everything down their throat and all we have to say is, I don't know. Maybe overflowing with joy is not something we're actually good at. Maybe that's because we're reformed. We don't, <laughs> we don't always do joy that well sometimes. When we talk about infectious good news... That's what I'm talking about, overflowing with joy. How do you stop an infectious disease? We all learned a lot about that a couple of years ago, didn't we, with COVID. We know how to stop it. You distance yourself from people. You put up barriers. You remember those, we've still got them at the doctor's office and the bank tellers, the little bits of plastic, there to stop the transmission of disease. You put a mask over your face, glasses over your eyes, to stop what I've got making its way over to you. And honestly, I wonder if we've become pretty good at covering up our joy. At separating our faith lives here in this room from our secular lives out there. At keeping what is most dear to us separate from the people who are most dear to us. Maybe they're not most dear to you, but some are. Can I ask, have you come out of the faith closet at work? Do people even know you're a believer? Maybe it's not at work, maybe it's with your neighbours. Maybe you should. Be open about what you do on the weekend. 
I used to say, oh, yeah, what do you do? What do you do on the weekend? That's the question you get on Monday morning, isn't it? What do you do on the weekend? You're all here. Um, this is one of the things that you did at the weekend. And I used to say, oh, I did the church thing and try and pass by it as quickly as I could because nobody knew what to say about that. But instead, you could say, I had the best time at church. And people will be curious about that. How did you have a good time at church? They might want to know about that. I don't know. Maybe they won't. Or you could say, honestly, I had my perspective changed on the weekend a lot about this issue or that issue. Or midweek, I had an amazing time with my church community on Wednesday night. You should come. We're going to have a barbecue. Come along. And if you're not sure what you should say after that or how your friends might react, spend some time thinking it through. Spend some time praying. The good news is infectious. Go. That's our second point. The third point, the last point, is the good news is infectious and I want you to go with confidence. Go with confidence. So... um, in the morning service, honestly, this felt like a bit of a mishmash. <laughs> I've got a bunch of little points. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on each of them. There's quite a few. And they're all little things that I have found really helpful to understand as we go out. Practical things that we can talk about. It's not our job to create faith, but only to speak. It's not our job to create faith. Our passage says in verse 15 that we should be sent and it says the verse, the verse before in verse 14 says that we are to preach, to speak, but it doesn't say that we are to save. In fact, Psalm 3 verse 8, we sing it regularly, says that salvation belongs to the Lord, not to Phil, not to you. Our job is to speak and to love and to answer questions but not to save. We do need to speak, however, not just love. There was a trend in uh, many Christian circles a while back uh, to say, well, actions speak louder than words. Um, All I need to do is live the gospel and people will hear the gospel somehow or that God will do the rest. And I agree that actions do show the gospel, but the good news is not communicated clearly unless it is spoken. You can be the loveliest person on earth, and maybe some of you are. You can never put a foot wrong. You can love people with all your heart. And without speaking people might only hear a gospel of strong morals and solid ethics. That's not the gospel. You can be even, you can be open with your failures and people only hear a gospel of, of not good enough. That's not the gospel. You can even talk about Jesus all day and people hear a gospel of celebrity Jesus or hero Jesus instead of King Jesus and his good kingdom. We need to speak. Oh, this is good news. Uh, We don't do it on our own. That's an amazing thing to hear. Uh, One of the most famous passages about going is Matthew 28, uh, when Jesus 
gives his last commands before leaving his disciples. He says, go, make disciples. But he also says, just before that, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me and I am with you until the very end of the age. We don't go out by ourselves. Whenever we speak, our king who has all authority on heaven and earth is with us. Those are theological things, I think, that we need to know as we go out. And I've also just got some practical, basic tips. Now, these come from someone who has been in so many different workplaces and contexts that I know how hard it is and that it's not simple. Uh, these tips don't each come out of another success story of Phil. They've actually come out of another time Phil's put his foot in it and got it wrong. And has probably done it so badly that it's been ingrained in my brain. So here's a few uh, quick tips. Don't fake excitement or happiness that you don't have. The gospel isn't happiness. Instead, it's often terrible triumph through hard times. The gospel isn't prosperity, but instead, sometimes, knowing hope and utter dependence through poverty and hardship. Maybe your good news this week is that your whole life has been hard, but your whole life cannot even be expressed as a fraction of the life that is to come in eternity with your King. And that's your hope. Don't always have something to say. Maybe sometimes we feel like if we can just get our viewpoint out, if we can just belt out John 3.16 or, or something, I'm not sure what it is, then people will be convinced of what we say. Sometimes maybe we feel that we have all the answers to the problems in the world and our culture has none. But the reality is sometimes we don't have answers. Don't pretend to know everything. Be happy to say, I don't know, or even just be silent. I like this one. <laughs> I can't believe we've got to say it, but we do. Be normal. <laughs> Surprisingly, we get this one wrong all the time, or at least you can see evidence that some people do. <laughs> I know we're supposed to be different. I'm not saying that we aren't. But our difference is that we belong to the King, that we love Him when the culture we live in loves everything but Him. The difference is that we're forgiven, not that we're better. Understand people. If we expect others to come on a journey with us in our worldview and in our faith, shouldn't we be willing to do the same with them? I wonder if sometimes we take a position that we're the only rational ones 
uh, that logically our view, worldview is the only one that makes sense. Honestly, the lifestyle of my non-Christian friends makes perfect rational and logical sense with their worldview. It's just that they have a very different foundation and starting point than we do. We need to understand them as, as people and not be confused by them. Keep turning around, I shouldn't keep turning around. Don't be shocked. How many of us were shocked by this culture? Maybe you've been brought up in the faith, and that honestly is one of the best salvation stories there is. Don't be embarrassed by that. But you might have been trained from very early on to follow Jesus, and what you see as normal behaviour is very different from others. But the gospel isn't morals. Don't be shocked by people who live as if there is no God because they don't believe there is. Don't be shocked. Lastly, don't view people as targets. Don't go into your workplace or your community looking for targets for the good news. I think we can often be encouraged to do this, but I'm not sure it's helpful. People aren't notches on your belt. Instead, make genuine friends and love them enough that you want to share the good news with them. The gospel isn't a multi-level marketing scheme. I know my, my parents were in Amway. <laughs> The gospel is good news for people we care about. It's the best news. I, I, I know sometimes it's scary. Sometimes people won't like that part of us. And when that's the biggest part of us, that's a blow, yeah? Sometimes we'll put our foot in it. But the best news in the world is worth all of that and more. Be infectious. And let's pray together. Thank you, Father, for your son, Jesus. He is our king. He's good. He's beautiful. We want to thank you that you sent him into this world, that he knows us, that he loves us, that he is bringing, he's brought and continues to bring a kingdom that is good and beautiful and wonderful. We pray for each one of us here today that that good news of the kingdom would be such a joy in our hearts that we cannot stop but overflow with it. And that as we go out in this world, you would cause it to be infectious, that you would empower it to speak with the friends and the family that we love so dearly, and that people would be changed. Lord, help us to go out into our culture. Help us to love them in Paris. And Lord, may we see this world change one person at a time. In Jesus' name, amen.